Welcome to our 43rd class, 43 classes now. Can you believe it? So we're going to review question 43 this morning, and then we will learn question 44 together. Let me open us up with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this day, uh, our favorite day, many of us, our favorite day of the week, where we get to come together with our family and worship you. Thank you for this class. Thank you for all that you've taught us and uh, will continue to teach us. Help us today to understand your word and to think clearly about baptism. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's uh, say question 43 together. I'll read the question. What are the sacraments or ordinances? The sacraments or ordinances given by God and instituted by Christ, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper, are visible signs and seals that we are bound together as a community of faith by His death and resurrection. By our use of them, the Holy Spirit more fully declares and seals the promises of the Gospel to us. Now, you remember this week, there's a pretty stark difference between the adult version, if you will, and the kid version, if you will. And whenever that's the case, we always have more in attendance. Have you noticed that? It might have something to do with this box of gum here. All right, so who's got this memorized? Question 43, what are the sacraments or ordinances? Raise your hand so I can get an idea. All right. Well, this side of the room is winning. We'll start over here, but I bet there's going to be more hands up over here by the time we get there. Oh, wow, we're going to move quick here. Okay. You guys all ready? Yeah. Okay. We're going to start here. Stand up. What, is, what are the sacraments or ordinances? No more? No more hands coming up? I got three more packs of gum here. All right, moving along. What are the sacraments or ordinances? Let's say it one more time together, the whole thing. The sacraments or ordinances given by God and instituted by Christ, namely the baptism and the Lord's Supper, are visible signs and seals that we are bound together as a community of faith by His death and resurrection. By our use of them, the Holy Spirit more fully declares and seals the promises of the gospel to us. So now question 44. Let's learn this today. This week, baptism. And then next week, the Lord's Supper. What is baptism? Let's say it together. Baptism is the washing with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It signifies and seals our adoption into Christ, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to belong to the Lord and to His church. Now we offer an entire class just on this question here at Veritas. For those who are interested or who want to be baptized, we always require that they uh, attend a class on baptism. Soon it's going to be available on our website. But we take a lot of time to unpack what this is. So, so 
these words have a lot in them. But basically, this is a good answer. This is what baptism is. Let me read you a scripture from Matthew 28. This is why baptism, we would say, is an ordinance. It's, it has been instituted. It has been commanded by Jesus. And that happened and is recorded in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus said this to his disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus told his disciples as they were going to build the church or as he was going to build the church through them, he told them to do three things there. Again, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, go and preach the gospel to people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. And some of them, many of them were going to believe. What would you do with those who believed? You, baptizing them. How? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then third, and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he reminds them that he would be with them always to the very end of the age. So there were two uh, bits in the New City Catechism. One was a poem by George Herbert. You can read that. The other was commentary from Colin Hansen. And I want to read you that commentary. And then I'm going to read you a, uh, a complimentary definition of baptism that we use here and that we use in the class we teach on baptism. But let me read to you a few of the things that Colin Hansen said in his commentary. He said, when I told my pastor I wanted to become a church member, he offered a simple explanation for why I should then seek baptism. Because Jesus did so. Why, though, did Jesus wade into the Jordan and ask his cousin John to lower him beneath the waters? It's a good question. After all, he says, Jesus had no sin to confess. He had no need to repent. We do that. It is based on our faith and our repentance that we then are baptized. But Jesus didn't have any sin. I've always sympathized with John's incredulous response to Jesus. Remember what he said? I need to be baptized by you, John said to Jesus, not the other way around. Yes, Jesus responded. In Matthew 3.15, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So here's what he says about the baptism of Jesus. Think about it. In his baptism, Jesus identified with all of us who, because of sin, will someday die as a result of God's judgment. Water has been a sign of God's judgment. Where was the first place in the Bible, I think it's the first place, where water was obviously a sign of God's judgment? Genesis 6. What happens in Genesis chapter 6? A lot of water, right? What do we have in Genesis 6? The flood. The flood was God's judgment. There, water is a symbol, and in other places, of God's judgment. Though he never would sin, 
Jesus would nevertheless die at the hands of sinful men as he absorbed the wrath of God for the sinful world. Water, which again is a symbol of God's judgment, of course is also water is necessary for life. Before there was light, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, Genesis 1-2. And one day when the resurrected and ascended Jesus returns to inaugurate the new heavens and new earth, a river, there's water again, a river of life will flow from the throne of God. Any who follow Him into the waves as enemies of God will emerge as brothers and sisters of the Son of God, fellow heirs of His eternal inheritance. Last paragraph. Baptism is a sign and seal we have been adopted into the family of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have loved one another in perfect unity since before creation, before God even molded Adam from the dust. At Jesus' baptism, we notice all three persons. As Jesus emerges from the water, the Spirit of God descends like a dove and rests on Him. So that no one will mistake the meaning of the sign, the Father boasts from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So think of baptism, right? The baptism of Jesus is Jesus being plunged into or immersed into the water, which symbolizes the judgment of God. Think of the flood. And then Jesus is brought out of that to, right? This is symbolic of our baptism. And so we're united to Jesus in His death, and then we're united to Jesus in His resurrection. So too we might be saved from the wrath, the judgment of God, and brought into new life with Him. So let me read you a definition of baptism. And this is the, some of, those of you who have taken our baptism class, you'll, you'll remember this. We also have a statement in our church's doctrinal statement. But this is from Bobby Jamieson, and he, he wrote a little book on baptism. And here's, what he, here's how he defines baptism, which obviously is what we're looking at today. He says, baptism is a church's act of affirming and portraying a believer's union with Christ by immersing him or her in water. So this is what he's going to say. He's going to say that when baptism happens, the person being baptized is doing something, which is usually more obvious to us, and everyone else who is present, which should be the church, is also doing something. And he begins his definition by saying baptism is a church's act. So not what the baptizee is doing, but the baptizers. Whoever is baptizing here at our church, it's usually me. Whoever is doing the baptizing is actually doing it on behalf of who? The entire church. So baptizing, it is a church's act of, his definition says, of affirming and portraying a believer's union with Christ. So we are affirming this person's union with Christ. You're a Christian. We would never, right, baptize someone and give them the sign and seal of salvation if we didn't think that they were saved, if we didn't think they were a Christian. So we are affirming them as a Christian. You are a Christian, but we're also 
portraying their union with Jesus or displaying their union with Jesus by doing to them the same thing that Jesus did. By baptizing them and symbolizing and portraying that they have faced or will not be held under the judgment and wrath of God, will be brought through the judgment and wrath of God because Jesus faced the wrath of God. We're being cleansed from our sin. Water symbolizing washing. Brought out from water. Rebirth, renewal. Right? It's a dramatic portrayal. It's a dramatic picture of what has happened to us as Christians. That we have been saved and rescued. We don't hold the person under and drown them. Right? We bring them out to, to, to represent their salvation, their, their cleansing, their new life. So that's what the church is doing. And he says, a believer's act, so the one being baptized, of publicly committing him or herself to Christ and his people, thereby uniting a believer to the church and marking off him or her from the world. It marks someone off. We'll see this the same thing with the Lord's Supper. Who are Christians? Well, it should be those who we see being baptized and those who we see taking the Lord's Supper every week. That's meant to mark off visibly who those are who have committed themselves to Christ and committed themselves to His people. Right? Because Jesus is the head and the church is His what? His body. So you cannot separate those. So you can't commit to Jesus without committing to his church. You can't commit to a church without committing to Jesus because they are head and body. And so in baptism, we see that that is signified. Okay, let's say it one more time together and then I'll pray. Question 44, what is baptism? Baptism is the washing with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit it signifies and seals our adoption into Christ, our cleansing from sin, and our commitment to belong to the Lord and to His church. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank You for giving us this sign and seal of baptism. You know, God, that You know how we learn best you know how to reach our hearts. And so you've given us this visible, dramatic representation of what you have done for us and how you have taken us and you have spared us from your judgment. You have spared us from your wrath. You have delivered us from the punishment of our sin. So we're not held underwater. We're brought out of the water. And God, you've also, you have washed us clean of our sin. You have cleansed us from our sin. And you demonstrate and portray this also through baptism. Thank you, Jesus, for being baptized yourself, uh, identifying with us, showing us what we should do. Thank you, Jesus, for living this life perfectly, without sin, and yet willingly submitting yourself to death on a cross. 
willingly submitting yourself to be horribly and terribly punished by your Father in our place, that you would take our sin and become sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Help us even in the next half hour or so before we formally begin our worship service, prepare our hearts, help us to think about you and who you are and what it is that you have done so that you would receive all the glory and worship that you deserve today. And we pray this and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.